I wasn't sure you'd come. I want to make one thing clear. I don't owe you anything. What happened in Beirut? You know what happened in Beirut. My networks were blown. So Hamburg is a punishment? Depends on whether you like Hamburg. Mais c'est tellement nouvelle cette chanson française qu'il faut que je lis toutes les paroles parce que elle vient de la faire il y a trois jours. Elle a seulement trois jours et et c'est pour ça que je les parle ici. Mais je vous promets que depuis aujourd'hui, elle va être très populaire en France. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Tinker Taylor Podcast Spy. I am one of your hosts, Tyler. I am joined by my co-host Max. Good evening. And Emma. Hello. And we have a surprise guest. Well, actually, not a surprise. I think we teased it quite heavily last episode. We have a good friend of ours, Kent, on the pod. Kent, why don't you say hi, and then why don't you introduce yourself briefly? Don't don't go, you know, don't elaborate too much. We don't want your life story. And then also just tell us uh, tell us about John McRae. Why do you like him? Do you know him? Are you in love yeah. with him? Yeah, so my name is Kent. Uh, I'm a math teacher. I live in Birmingham, uh, Alabama. And um, <clears throat> I I got into John Le Carre probably five or six years ago. Um, I, I think I read a New Yorker article that sort of kind of set him as this person who was writing nominally genre fiction, but with a literary level of quality, sort of. And and part of that article, I felt like, was an examination of what does it mean to be genre fiction? What does it mean to be literary fiction? And I was like, well, really, really good genre fiction sounds amazing to me. Um, so that's why I, I uh, read The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. Um, and that is just, uh, I mean, you guys have already spent plenty of time talking about that. Um, a fantastic book. And <laughs> I think a really good, some people would argue, <laughs> but a fantastic introduction to, to him. And I've been, I've been sort of parceling out his books. I, I, you, I think you guys talked about that on the first episode, actually. Um, not wanting to run out of Le Carre books in your future, you know? So I, at this point I've read the Carla trilogy, I read uh, Legacy of Spies, I think is the name of it, which was one of his most recent ones. Uh, I've read, um, uh, there's probably one more I've read. Um, I can't think of it. Um, and then Tale of Panama. And uh, and I read half of the book for A Most Wanted Man uh, Ooh, while also read, while also watching the movie. So... Um, <laughs> Oh, oh, and I read Call for the Dead. Yeah, that, that was um, it, the very, the very first novella. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. I, I love it. I love that one. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if you're the perfect John LeCrae fan, you'll actually, you'll finish reading the last chapter of the final book that he wrote on your deathbed, like as you're like taking your last, <laughs> it's perfect. Your last gasp of life. I hope there you're you not go. gasping at the end of your life, but you know what I mean, breath. <laughs> so today <laughs> we are going to be talking about a most wanted man, but in a shift from our normal program, we'll be talking about the movie. We did um, make that pretty clear on our last episode. This is going to be interesting. Um, some of us, I think we've all read at least part of it, obviously. Um, Emma and Max, did you read? Have you read the whole thing? I have not. I'm like a third of the way through it. Emma, I've read parts. OK, <laughs> Emma has read two pages, uh, the first page and the last page. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I've read it. It was um, it was probably I, I don't know. It was early on in my when I started reading Lecure, I, I picked it up and it is one of my favorite books of his. And I think the movie, I, I maybe there'll be some different opinions on this, but it ended up being one of my favorite of the movie adaptations. And we can get into that later. But I think it's at least a very interesting book and a very interesting movie. And I think there's plenty to talk about, even being like, um, I don't know, not a ton happens in this movie in a weird way. Like it's an interesting movie, but, you know, it's it's like a lot of these uh, mid-budget genre thriller type movies where. I mean, the climax of the movie is basically like a bank transaction going through. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to say before we get going is I think one of the things I do love about this movie it's a type of movie that gets made. It's like more rare every year that a movie like this will be made. Yes. There's no, it's, it's not an Oscar bait movie. It's not a big budget franchise movie. It's somewhere in the middle. And like in the nineties and eighties, there were like a movie like this coming out every week. And now it seems like there's barely any of them. It's a shame. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, it, I, I've read some articles about this where it's like, the death of the mid-budget movie, whereas like right. you can get like an indie movie financed for like five million dollars, and you can get a Marvel movie financed for five hundred million dollars. But yeah. the the anything like in the middle, like middle like budget comedies that used to come out, or these kind of thrillers, are just I, I, you know you're right, they're kind of like dying off. Um, it's and too I much wonder, of a risk, I, right? Yeah, I mean, because you, you have to, like, make back a lot more money than a really cheap yeah. movie. But Either you don't you're have... making, like, a minimal investment of, you know, $5 million. I mean, obviously, here you're a very rich person. Yes. Um, I mean, but it's a business. Like, you know, it's a business. Like, for me, like it's a minimal, minimal investment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, like a minimal investment of $5 million, or you're committing to something that's going to be, like, gangbusters, like you know 900 million dollar box office yeah. and it has a you know the the huge movies have these massive international markets yeah um, right. and these sort of, and i think comedies and sort of sort of taught dramas where there's a lot of people speaking in hushed tones like doesn't necessarily <laughs> play internationally in the same way or yeah. maybe it would but they just don't believe that it would and therefore it's not getting funded you know yeah i wonder though i wonder though if they'll get you know now that there's covid's kind of accelerated this push to streaming with like release directly to streaming services as movies i wonder if these might get start picking up again whereas there's you know more you don't have to worry about getting people to the theaters as much if you can get them to watch it at the home uh when it's released but um i don't know yeah. i guess we'll see yeah i mean i yeah. i love this uh level this this sort of um type of movie i it sort yes. of categorize it as movies that my wife will watch with me like there's a certain level of yeah. like yes. violence that she's not that interested in or even not even violence yeah. but just like intensity of emotion yes. she's just gonna have a hard time sleeping afterwards that that sort of thing but yeah, this is yeah. sort of um you know something that's kind of like you know uh, a tough courtroom drama where there's like somebody's life in the balance but mostly it's people arguing in a courtroom or a spy drama a spy drama or something like that where it's like the stakes feel yeah. real it's not a dumb movie it's not yeah. silly it's it 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 it's gripping but it's not um it's not going to uh 
Well, it might devastate you, but um, <laughs> right, this, is, this is a quiet movie. There's no yes, massive yeah. shootouts. There's I mean, you know, I don't, you don't even a gun, is a gun even fired? In That's what I was about to say. I don't, I don't think, think not even fired. I don't think you see a gun. I don't think you ever see yeah, anyone like hold a gun. No, you know, the most like laws in Germany, they have that's no true. freedom. You don't see any like, I mean, the only action is at the very end, and that's I like I feel just like them, if like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character thought a gun would be effective, he would carry one, but he true. doesn't. Yeah. So before we get into the um, kind of plot, and we'll just walk through it, uh, let's just pause for a moment and talk about kind of uh, a little bit about who's involved in the movie, and then um, I'll just talk about who the main characters are. Uh, briefly so when we kind of bring them up as we go we don't have to stop and kind of explain who's who so first of all kind of interesting i didn't even look this up until just now but the director is anton corbin or corbjin he is dutch i believe so a part of my pronunciation but he's done a couple interesting movies so he did control um which is a great movie about Joy Division. Um, and he did The American, which was another spy type movie uh, featuring yeah. George Clooney in the lead, which is kind of cool. I didn't even realize um, who the director was, but those are great movies. I love those movies. So um, pretty good. And um, the main, so I'll just talk through the main characters and we can talk about who portrayed them. And if people want to jump in and talk about what they thought of these people, please do. So I'll kind of just start using the IMDb. So maybe the main character or the focus, the 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 character who kind of moves the plot along is Isa, Isa Karpov. He's played by, I believe, Max, you were saying he's a he's a Russian actor, right? His name is Gregory uh Dobrigin. Um Emma, you might want to pronounce pronounce that properly, but Dobrigin. Dobrigin. Um and I, yeah, I think Max, did you say he's like a Russian movie star or something? Like yeah, that? he's like a big, apparently a big Russian movie star, and is also Seventh Day Adventist and won't drink or like have sex in any of the movies he's in. Ah. Um, but Wikipedia says he's he's the Russian James Franco. Oh, isn't this <laughs> that doesn't sound like. Is that, that a good, like, is that that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Um, okay, so next on the list is um, Gunther Buckman, who's kind of the, I don't know, second main, I guess you could say. And he's played um, by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And if I'm not mistaken, this was either the last movie he filmed before he died, or it was the last movie that was released before he died that he was in. I can't remember which, but there was some, um, I remember when this movie was coming out. Uh, there was quite a bit made about that, that maybe it was the last movie that he had. It was started. the last that was like finished because right. I remember he was also in the, one of the hunger games movies uh, or okay. he was, he was like the game master, the DM or whatever. <laughs> he was the DM. You know, <laughs> I remember they were using some footage from like the half finished stuff. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> and he's obviously, I mean, he's, I think he's great in this role. He he's one of the the best of all time. So um unsurprisingly he's really good he also i don't know if he's usually this pale in all the movies he acts in i mean i guess he is but he seemed particularly pale like they color shifted him so he looks like a albino um i don't know it's called method acting i mean this (laughs) is one it they it does have kind of this movie did kind of have like this modern color palette where they wash out like yeah all colored and make it seem not too much bleak. thankfully I no but it's not a, it's definitely not as bad as you know like Justice some League. of these 
Yeah, exactly. Um, then we've got um, Abdullah, who is played by an actor called uh, Homayun uh, Urshadi, who I thought was really great. And he's kind of a familiar looking character actor. I can't think off the top of my head. He's he's very much like, oh, what was that guy in Yeah, type of guy? But pretty good in a limited role. Uh, he kind of plays the um, uh, Muslim charity owner philanthropist that is being linked to some various terrorist activity or funding of terrorist activities. His son, Jamal, um, Mehdi uh, Debbie is the name of that actor. Um, really limited role, but pretty good. And then the other kind of mains would be Robin Wright, who plays the American character, who what's what's her official um role she like works at she's a diplomat i think she's technically a diplomat she's undercover i think as diplomat at the embassy yeah she's she's one of the i assume like a a a legal spy basically like she's you know like an attache for for the embassy but and and she is her character name is martha sullivan and then last but not least is rachel mcadams who plays annabella richter um Oh, actually, maybe there's one more. And, and the last well, one is um, Willem Dafoe as the banker, Tommy Brew. And Rachel McAdams as Annabelle Richter is the lawyer. She's kind of, uh, um, I don't know, how would you even describe her um, role? Like an immigration lawyer, kind of? Yeah, she's she's she like works for a nonprofit that helps immigrants, uh, I think, you know, like settle and get and that kind of Yeah, thing. seek asylum yeah. and things yeah. like that. John Le Carey has an afterword in the book that says he based it on a real German organization that uh, helps asylees basically and um, right. defends people who are mm. like sent to Guantanamo as well. So kind of like a far ranging um, type of organization. Right. So uh, I don't know, I guess, but let, before we actually get in, let's just talk about that. Is there anyone who you thought was a standout in their performance or who maybe wasn't so great in their performance. I'd say generally from my opinion, it's a pretty good cast overall. I think everyone's pretty good. I will say, I think Rachel McAdams maybe was not the best choice in this role. I think she's a pretty good actor, but she was pretty weak. I, there were a few almost laugh out loud moments with her uh, attempt at a German accent where it would like kind of turn (laughs) into Russian. So she'd be like, give me the documents <laughs> something like that. I'm like, Rachel, honey, no. <laughs> I just, I, it's weird to me because like, if you're not going to have them speak German, what does it matter if they do an accent? Right. Just like, right. Don't make, don't, don't put everyone through this. <laughs> yeah. Just like speak, think, you're speaking English. We already know you're not speaking German. <laughs> I, I felt like that was almost like Philip Seymour Hoffman said, I'm going to pick a voice. And it's not necessarily <laughs> going to be an accent, but it's going to not be my normal voice. It's yeah. sort of like... <clears throat> yeah, he I does feel like sound like he's doing a voice, basically. Tom Hardy does this a lot, where he's just like, I'm going to do a voice. And like, yes, it's not, definitely. Like, who knows what type of voice it's supposed to be, but it's like, like that Alfie character Solomon. then... Yeah, you Alfie know. Solomon or Bane. It's yes. just, this is the Bane voice. This is the Alfie... Alfie that is Solomon not, is, is peak doing a voice. I, like, I don't think that's what... East End, who is, who is Alfie Jewish Solomon, people though? sound like, but Alfie uh, Solomon is Tom Hardy's um like Jewish gangster character in uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So he's doing like this, like he's or, trying to do this like East End London accent, but he, he kind of just picks like a strange. mouth shape and kind of uh, just yeah, yeah, funnels or his all venom his voice language through he's just with vibing, that mouth shape. Vibing, yeah, yeah, he is vibing. And, and I, I, I actually found it 
once I once I got over the fact that it didn't really sound like a German accent, I, I actually really liked Philip Seymour Hoffman's yeah. voice. Oh, he's great. Whatever yeah, it was. It's the role. Like, it sounds very kind of gruff and then also kind of clipped and aloof almost. And, like, and his, his body acting, too, just remote. the way he, like, he has the most hangdog motherfucking look in this movie. <laughs> Uh, the, oh God, there's a few scenes where he's just sitting. Uh, I think the one where he's like in his ho- home and he's like sitting in front of the piano or whatever. And like he's basically playing the piano with his chin because it's drooping so low. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so the eyebrows added so much pathos. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, great eyebrows. Like, make, makes him look so solemn. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Uh, Willem Dafoe was really good too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's always fun. I think I, I really like Willem Dafoe. I think he. Maybe it's just in my head, but I feel like he sometimes gets a bad rap for maybe just basically like people remember him from Boondock Saints and that movie is just so over yeah. the top. But he yeah, is actually yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a he was very good in this role. Um Capable of subtlety. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, like he's very good at looking I, I, scared. That's yes. A, a skill of his. Yeah, he uh, looks very shook a lot of the time in this movie. It's not as prominent a role in like I, I noticed, you know, having I started the started the book before watching the movie and it it is a significantly more prominent role in the book yes. um it's a more distributed yeah, sort of narrative in the book yeah basically. yeah that's that's i was like um, kind of surprised just based off of what i'd read in the book and like the movie i was like oh he's really like a much smaller character in the movie. Yeah. I would say and Rachel he's not McAdams given as much the main character in the movie um yeah so defoe doesn't have as much to do um yeah. but it's but he's i mean yeah he's like he's great he's always fun to watch him what he does yeah. um I mean, I, I will say I was sort of um, a little, I don't know if I was like overwhelmed watching Philip Seymour Hoffman, knowing that this was like his last released, you know, yeah, major role sure. and mm-hmm. sort of um, putting that uh, on his character. Like it's a character that fits the sort of desperation yeah. of what I imagine the circumstances of, you know, I mean, Definitely. he died of a drug overdose. I Like, yeah. Um, and I remember his death hitting me about as hard as a celebrity death uh, can. Like Absolutely. it may be James Gandolfini is probably the only other one that felt like mm. even uh, sadder to me for some reason. Um, and so just thinking about this, um, you know, it feels like sort of a eulogy for him as an actor. And so I was like, just like trying to like appreciate him very yeah. actively whenever he was on screen. You know what I mean? Like I was really yeah. focused on his performance. Yeah. He's pretty hard to ignore in any movie he is. And he's always, um, he's pretty much the best thing in whatever movie he's in. Right. Um, and yeah. I, and that's definitely no different here. I will say Robin Wright. I really, I think she's one of, she may be my like number one, uh, number one Hollywood crush. I think Robin Wright is, uh, she's the bomb. Um, and I think she was pretty good. She plays that kind of very cool, detached uh, American diplomat thing very, very well. Uh, she obviously has a lot of experience playing <clears throat> cool, detached American political uh, person. But I thought she was pretty great. I Whenever she's in, in a movie, I, I find her pretty compelling. You like a, uh, a Klobuchar type. Yes. Would that be <laughs> sort of like a like an American woman who's going sure. to put you right in your place? Yeah, That's throw a binder the, at me, mommy. Yeah, yeah. she's going to throw a stapler at Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. yeah he's, he was very upset that she did not show feet in this movie. Yeah, yeah, what the hell? I want the, I want the, um, the Snyder Cut release. 
um, <laughs> the Tarantino cut. Um, I was just looking on Wikipedia, and it turns out this movie cost fifteen million dollars to make, which sounds like a lot of money, but it's also not a no, lot. No, for, yeah, for well, especially for like cool. the caliber of cast they have. These are a yeah. lot of right. like pretty big names. I I also I really like the the guy who played Moore, uh, Dieter Moore. Yeah, the, yeah, he's yeah. It's like yeah. a German actor. He I was like. Rackham is like, why do I reckon he was he's I saw he's in Better Call Saul and he's very good in Better Call Saul. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he, the actor's name is Rainer Bach, and yeah, he was very great. Very good. Shiner Bach. And Shiner then Bach, Daniel yeah. Bruhl is in this movie because I think yes. there's like uh I think he must have signed like some contract that says whenever an American movie is made with a German in it, he has to be cast. <laughs> yeah. It's him no and matter the guy what. from uh, uh what's the guy that was in the Tarantino Nazi movie? Uh, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, he's the other guy like that. Yeah, but Daniel um, Bruhl is also in in Inglorious yeah, Bastards a, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's the sniper. <laughs> yeah. He's in every oh, like. Just, every time I see that guy, I'm like, "That's Tobey Maguire," and then like, <laughs> no, it's not. He oh. looks just enough like him that burn on Daniel Bruhl. Burn. Uh, I also, yeah, I think the Abdullah character, um, that that actor was really quite good too. I think he had, you know, he didn't have much to do in the movie, but I think like all the good character actors like that, whenever he he may have like, I don't know, did he have 10 lines of dialogue maybe? But every time he's in the scene, it's like uh, pretty, pretty fun and interesting. Well, yeah, it seems like good all of the, all of the actors are given a lot of situations where it's like, you're going to have to do a lot with a little because so yeah. little of what people's true intentions and feelings are can be yeah. on the surface in these interactions between right. people. And so you see a lot of them like have, like doing a lot of very subtle, but um, I feel like effective, yeah. uh, you know, I That's guess I don't, I don't even know what you call it. Acting moves. Acting. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, these guys Fantastic acted the acting. hell out of this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and, they're and basically I, doing the like Tony Hawk Triple axle three sixty or whatever of acting. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go to the skate park and say do a triple axle the next time. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just I'm just reacting like the other stars at the NBA uh sl- like all star dunk contest, you know, just like filming on my phone oh, and like yeah. jumping backwards, like look at that acting. You're like, was yeah. it Shaq or Kevin Garnett who was like film uh, that classic uh, clip of him like filming on his like old camcorder? And, like, I think that's movie. Shaq. Yeah, he's yeah, got like yeah. a beanie on, and he's yeah, <laughs> yeah. very <laughs> classic reaction to acting. Should should we uh, recount the plot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's get into it. Um, so uh, it it opens on what I think is kind of an interesting, um, uh, well, kind of the reason for I assume John Lecrae wanting to write this book in the first place which is kind of a description of the 9-11 attacks um, and using Hamburg and describing that uh, as kind of the place where the attack was kind of staged and planned, um, which I will admit before I actually read the book, I didn't, I was not aware of that fact. Um, I and, also and I bet you a lot of that. people were not aware of that too. Yeah, so, I feel like Germany Germany is, uh, you know, they've, they're responsible for a lot of bad things. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we going to lay that at the, the feet of Germany, too? Damn. Um, yeah, so with that, I think that's an interesting fact, and it kind of sets Hamburg up also as, um, you know, certainly of interest in today's uh, times where shipping uh, is, is a big deal. Uh, it's like one of the biggest... Um, uh, ports in the world. I actually looked up a list of like the biggest ports in the world and it was like, uh, I don't know, it was in the 20s or something. Unsurprisingly, if you look up that list, I think the top like five are all in China, uh, which was 
Interesting. But yeah, big shipping center and like a lot of people kind of coming there from different parts of the world. And so, um, and they also kind of set it up and it's hard to say, like, I, I don't know anything about Hamburg, the city, but it seems like there is quite a big um, uh, is Islamic population there, it seems like. I don't know if that's true, but certainly. The yeah, I mean, the that's the impression they give it. in the movie and the mm-hmm. book. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then basically wh- what we get into is the very first scene is Isa kind of arriving at Hamburg. He's obviously gotten there um, illegally. He kind of climbs in out of the water and he's kind of stumbling around uh, the city trying to find someone. Uh, We kind of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and his whole kind of crew um, quite quickly kind of um, latches onto him and uh, are kind of trying to figure out who he is, why he's here. And, and actually, I think in the first scene where they're kind of looking at him, don't they already kind of know who he is? Have they? They've, they've yeah, yeah. he's like identified him. because he's in a, um, and tell me if I'm saying this wrong, he's like um, identified as a, a Chechen militant with a yeah. um, uh, Salafist group. Yes, Salafist. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, um, something I do want to note is that the in- initial title card um, describes specifically how interagency sort of um, uh, politicking uh, created an intelligence failure around right. 9-11, which is a theme that's going to carry throughout the movie is how this sort of um, uh, jockeying for status and position uh, ends up talking everyone over. And that's a huge LeCarrie thing. Yes. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's like a big LeCarrie thing going back to the 60s. Like with Looking Glass War. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, they identify this guy very quickly because they um I, <laughs> I it's not really apparent what their powers are. Um they're yeah. basically like a, he says later in the movie that they're they're they basically have plausible deniability to do anything. Yeah. Um but they also have to seek, you know, permission finance minister themselves. So it's not really clear what exactly their powers are, but they're able to identify this guy from CCTV yeah. with like facial recognition. So they they're they're pretty legit. Like they, um, they're some sort of nebulous intelligence agency. Yeah, I think he says that in that same scene later in the movie that the, that a lot of the stuff that they're doing is technically like um, against the constitution. Yeah, and that they were kind of set up um, in secret, essentially to act kind of outside of the bounds of the constitution. And obviously, you know, the types of, maybe the types of surveillance that they're doing are actually like illegal in the German, Mm -hmm. um, in German law. So yeah, very shady stuff. So Um, then we get a, um, uh, Gunther, uh, is then, uh, they're like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta figure out who this Isa Karpov is meeting with because he's, uh, talking to this guy in like a, um, Admiral hat, a (laughs) captain hat. And, um, who get in, who, uh, gave him a, like a note. And so we got to figure out, you know, if we're, there, there's a terror plot to thwart or whatever. But then we cut to Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's uh, following following a guy into a, a kebab shop. And the guy leaves a... This is a really neat little bit of trade yeah. craft yeah, uh, yeah. where the guy leaves a cigarette box on the counter. Um, and then Gunther takes it very smoothly. And then yeah. here's the thing that George Smiley would absolutely flip his shit at and something that stood out to me immediately is that Gunther takes a cigarette box, which has a, a memory card in it, 
and he doesn't even leave. He just sits in his car, opens yeah. the laptop, and <laughs> <Yeah>. does that. <laughs> and he's even tilted the screen towards the window so that if someone <laughs> was standing at the car window, they could see the pictures that he's looking at. Yeah. And the whole time, I thought someone was going to like tap on the window or something. And yeah, I was that- like, dude, what are you doing? You go somewhere else. There's a literal scenes where Smiley like gets a note and then he drives for like an hour or something and then he'll look at it. There's actually <laughs> a, a really elongated cigarette pack, dead drop sort of thing in, um, I think in Smiley's people yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that it's like a it's like right. a plot point in that. Um, and that's what it re- that's what it reminded me of. And yes, you're right. Like every step of the way, it's like the most cautious uh, person possible. Uh, would you know George Smiley, of course. But you mm-hmm. know, listen, in- the intelligence community has fallen on hard times. They've got. <laughs> yeah. you know. I know. I was just like, I kept imagining, like, oh I, my god, also- Smiley would think this guy was such an amateur. He's immediately <laughs> looking at the the dead drop. Well, it's also because he like he did such a smooth like the drop itself was so smooth. <laughs> like it was such a good. It was like. Oh, yeah, like he just puts the cigarettes down. He just grabs them like he's leaving. They don't even interact at all. And then he's just like, oh, I'm going to look at these photos in the middle of the... You know what? In the middle of the city. If I was going to describe why that happened, I bet you anything it was a cost-saving measure for the movie so they didn't have to shoot another scene in a different (laughs) location. And they were just like, hey, we're already here. Your car is here. Just shoot the scene in the car. Get it over with. Or maybe it's intended character stuff, you know? Like, at the end of the day, he has Yeah, I mean, he's an alcoholic, and yeah. Busy smoking those cigarettes. He's he's chiefing (laughs) them. Get it right. Yeah, that's what your notes say. He's chiefing cigarettes. He's chiefing cigarettes. Um... But he didn't smoke them cool like a European. That was that was bad. He he should have, you know. Europeans always like they they hold them they hold them weird. Yeah, he he been smokes them in a depressed the most depressing way you can smoke. Yeah, exactly. Weapon. No, he should have been dueling. Oh yeah, <laughs> they should. Re, they're gonna reboot fat clouds this on uh, on Jamal's dead drop. That'd be so disrespectful. They're gonna, they're gonna re- reboot this for Zoomers and have him jewel. He slips and... them like a pack of mango pods. And- <laughs> <laughs> he's in a supreme uh sweatshirt yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so he talks to someone who works with him about the pictures and they're of plain in the business card of of uh this guy that he was like sort of stalking earlier in the day um who was giving a lecture about uh islam and like opening up to the world and like engaging with the west and whatnot Donate to my so, and then she also tells him about um the admiral this this character wearing a sort of sea captain hat that Issa spoke with at the at the station and so um Gunther goes to the the bar to talk to the admiral and that's um, a great scene too because there's that cool um the Daniel Brew or no no oh my god I'm getting them all mixed up who's the actual actor what's the German actor Daniel Brühl Daniel Brühl um him and one of the other uh, like agents are kind of in the corner of the bar pretending to be like a couple on a date or whatever um, yeah. And then uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman walks in and they kind of like nod over at the Admiral. I, I, I like uh, that they kind of inserted some of those good tradecraft bits in there. Yeah, it's funny that they nod because he's also he's wearing the, the Admiral hat. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, can no help me find this guy who calls himself the Admiral? <laughs> <laughs> it would be good if the, he walked in and everyone in there was like wearing a different type of naval hat. So right. Yeah. Was like, what? I was like, can I find the admiral? Oh shit! It's like, where's Waldo? Who here goes by the admiral? And everyone puts up their their hand. Yeah. Um. 
So Gunther, you know, he like wines and dines this guy and he finds out that uh, Issa asked the Admiral to find him a banker, this guy Brew, who is Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and then basically as as that's happening, um, Issa's kind of walking around town and there's kind of an interesting scene where they he's following uh, a woman wearing a hijab and um, it kind of plays like some eerie music, like he's about to like attack her or something. And yeah. then uh, we kind of, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of go chronologically with this, but he, he ends up um, helping this woman with her bags. Her son gets home to their the apartment uh, later and she kind of describes, says like, hey, this man helped me with my bags. He, you know, he's new here. He needs help and we're going to kind of help him and look after him. And that's how he kind of starts his journey entering into German society, I guess, or Hamburg society. The, the thing that I think is really interesting, because I, you know, <clears throat> having started like reading the book and kind of knowing what was going on, I was trying to imagine, what are you thinking if you, you know, you see this extremely disheveled, bearded yeah. man get off a boat and just go into a strain, train station and find a guy with an admiral's hat on and go, <laughs> hey, I need you to find me a banker. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like first, both. What are you supposed to think as an audience member about this? Like, certainly you think like, this is weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then also from the intelligence agency's perspective, and later on as they sort of, you know, as he sort of becomes like a real target of their investigation, it's like, it doesn't seem like it was like an airtight operation from the start. Like when you first met him, he was talking to like a truly a random guy in the train station or whatever <laughs> and asking him to find this banker. Like, you know, it, it just seems like, there's something very off from what you expect both from like somebody who's just like a total innocent, who's like just caught up in this, yeah. like out of happenstance. And also it doesn't feel like a guy it's who's like, like running an operation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a very, you, you're it's mm -hmm. unsettling because it's not fitting into any of the grooves that already exist in your mind for a spy thriller. Yeah. You know? And he, they, they, they also do, I think, very purposefully, they kind of call him a radical and an Islamist and all this kind of stuff. But they never actually, correct me if I'm wrong, describe anything bad that he's done. No, like they yeah, never. I was, I, I was hoping to to sort of uh, almost unpack that a little bit later. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I think they do talk about like perhaps the organization that he was involved with. Like, yeah, like a cell. blowing up pipelines and stuff, but they never really. Well, they, I mean, they also they just claim he's involved. Like, well, yeah, no... they say it. They say like, uh, well, because this is all because um, a rival sort of spy agency has entered the scene, where Gunther right. is talking to this rival spy, Dieter Moore, about how Karpov is his asset, and then Dieter is like, uh, "It's your fault if a bomb goes off, if yeah. because we want to catch this guy right now." And Gunther's like, we have to let this play out and see, you know, who he's talking to so we can try and roll up like a whole network. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's like it's basically the difference. My understanding between Dieter and Gunther is that Dieter basically works for like the equivalent of the FBI or MI5. Right, They're yeah, responsible so. for internal security and yeah. like counter yeah. espionage, whereas uh Gunther works for basically the CIA. They don't really have police powers like right, right, Dieter right. does. Gunther like straight up works for like the Jack Bauer 24. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, they don't exist. So I work like for it's, 24. It's like extraordinary rendition shit. Yeah. Where are we? Okay, so then we also find out like because Gunther's boss is like, 
the Americans are getting interested in Issa. Like they also found out. And uh, so then he meets with Robin Wright uh, with his his sort of um, his right hand woman, uh, Erna. And um, uh, I think this is when they have their conversation where he's like, we want to figure out how we can bring in some more like top level people and not just bring in this guy. And we're also not sure what the Americans are going to do because you guys have a really bad track record of making people disappear into like Guantanamo. And she's, she does this, which, you know, I have to imagine it's just straight up from John LeCarrie where she's like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We're, we've changed. And he's like, yeah, okay. I'm not buying. that." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I also, was this the conversation where they sort of mention like, like, why are you in Hamburg? Like that he's been stationed here. Yeah. Due to, it's because, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's implied and then sort of slowly revealed like throughout the movie that um, he was he formerly had, you know, more like a sort of more prominent like public position almost. Um, and then uh, in Beirut and then apparently some major fuck up happened and like the net- networks all got uh, like totally blown. And um, it's not entirely clear, like whose fault it was but he basically had to you know he was he the same the for it. yeah yeah and so he's basically shunted into this sort of um uh non-existent agency and it, she doesn't she say to him like it that kind of imply that he got a demotion or something basically that after, yeah after that they were kind of like okay you fucked it up yeah You're i mean it's like yeah. he, if Which is wild for... because this was an incredibly powerful position. Yes. That he's yeah. in. So this is his demotion as being, yeah. you know. Like, well, that's, I think they also imply is like, is this really a demotion or is it just kind of like we used, yeah. we used the cover of sending you home right. to yes. be punished to place you in this position where you actually are, you know, given a ton of power. Yeah. So then they, um, then they end up meeting with uh, Dieter, the, um, and the other uh, sort of group about, Issa because uh, Dieter and the group want to have a sort of come to Jesus thing where they're like, we got to pick this guy up right now. He's a member of this, you know, militant Chechen group. And then uh, you find out that the information came from the uh, Russian uh, state security apparatus. And they have, you know, this uh, Erna Frey has this great line where she's like, well, any one of us would confess to that stuff after after Mm -hmm. Russian questioning. Yeah, right. Um, Enhanced interrogation techniques, you mean? Yeah, she points out that torture is, you know, inherently unreliable as a as a means of, uh, you know, getting a confession. And they're all like, "Oh my god, how could you say that? This, you know, this information is unimpeachable." (laughs) So, question: Zero Dark Thirty. I I I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched the movie. But do they do they have that same kind of moral quandary in that movie about torture and like what? information is getting, getting uh, i haven't seen it because i mean ultimately either. in was, the movie they end up I like, under, my understanding of the want. movie was yeah my understanding was the movie was pretty laudatory of like yeah i, uh, I saw the, it was it was not i hated that because it was more of like yeah. a girl boss thing yeah, yeah it, it, was like, it was and ultimately the the information in the movie the way the movie portrays it is the information they get actually directly does lead them on the path to finding osama yes which you know um 
validates it in their eyes. Exactly. There's like a there's a dude bro CIA dude who's just like, don't let her waterboard. She's just gonna screw it up. And then she like (laughs) very successfully waterboards a suspect. And like I I don't know. Yeah, she's the the Ray from Star Wars of Water. It's a moment of triumph. All, all the all the fans, uh, the Zero Dark Thirty fans, are going crazy because she was way too good at waterboarding too quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. So they they see that um. Their their sort of opinion on this is that Karpov is here to make you know make contacts with the um, you know like radical Islamic militants in Hamburg and you know potentially act with terror cells, um, which we we know is not true. He's looking for a banker and um, and so Gunther kind of takes this all very personally because he's um, they mention this over and over in the movie where they're like. We work closely with the German Muslim community and like we have sources in there and we we really pride ourselves on like, you know, they basically pride themselves on being able to sort of like um, coerce and, um, (laughs) you know, get all this information. And so they're they're sort of sort of taking as a personal affront that uh, Dieter and his crew are saying like, no, we're going to come in from above and just, you know, snatch this guy. So vulgar. And so then. um the American woman, uh, Martha, is uh, back backs Gunther's play because I, I I suppose she sees sort of the raw pragmatism of it, mm-hmm. of like yeah we can get more people, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so then they give him seventy two hours uh, to bring it to a resolution or else they're gonna roll in and do their thing. And specifically, so then, this is kind of all all wrapped around. Um... Oh God, I keep forgetting his name. Abdullah, right? Like, because they're they're kind of pin- he's kind of Gunter's kind of pinning this all on. Uh, the, Abdullah is the main guy that they're trying to take down. Yeah, yeah. And, they have a, a belief yeah. that he is uh, he is uh, in his philanthropy that he is um, taking a portion of the funds that he handles and sending it to a shipping company called Seven Friends Navigation Company that is uh, that purports to be for charitable uh like shipping of foreign mm-hmm. aid and stuff but is actually an al-qaeda front so they're like hey um we're we're trying to figure out if he has connections with this abdullah guy we're trying to get you know abdullah is the target um so then we get to um back to isa where uh he's still hanging out in these uh turkish people's apartment and um <laughs> they managed to they um, it's not really clear exactly how they get in touch with this person, I think, but I think um, she was working with them. Uh, oh, okay. Right. I think oh, she, that makes had, sense. she had like, helped yeah, them. Annabelle like helped cause they were applying for citizenship. So she was helping ah, them okay. apply for citizenship. Yeah. So Annabelle comes to the apartment to meet with them and, um, she's a lawyer with a, a like we mentioned a f- fictional organization called Sanctuary North. And she's, um, like. Okay, she's very business like at first she's like okay you know um were you tortured uh and then he's he's like yeah i was tortured and um he's like well can you prove it and there's this you know this horrific scene where he mm-hmm. turns around and shows her all these like um flogging and um like burn scars on his back yeah and so he's like okay i never want to go back to russia um please help me meet this banker and um he kind of gives her his his life story where he's the son of a guy who's in like the um 
Russian mafia, basically, um, who was yeah, in I Chechnya. Yeah, he was former military guy, right? Yeah, former military guy. Yeah. And um, so uh, Isa is a, a product of uh, of of a, a rape uh, mm-hmm. that his father committed while he was while in Chechnya. His was like fifteen years old. Yeah, and right. um, so Anna, Annabelle takes his case. Um, she meets with uh, Willem Dafoe at his office um, because Isa has brought a uh, a letter from his father to Thomas's father that uh, contains basically a plea for help. Like you know, if if my son brings you this letter, you know, yeah. give him give my him my money. My money. Um, and it turns out Wait, that I thought, Bruce- sorry, I may have just misunderstood i thought it was i thought it was thomas's dad writing to to isa's dad saying if oh, he yeah, shows yeah, up sorry. With this, if he shows right, up with yeah, this right. letter obviously yeah we will give you we will give him the <laughs> money that we are holding <laughs> yeah. for you yeah um, so it's shed. yeah it's um yeah with the implication that thomas's dad would did a lot of very shady things yeah and, um, and this is one of the he's basically a money launderer. Yeah. Thing. Well, this is like one of the, you know, John Le Carey's really good at coming up with like terms like this, yeah. where, you know, it's the, the, here he calls it the Lipizzaner accounts because yes. Lipizzaner's turned from black to white. So the, you know, basically saying we will hold the money and we'll turn your black, you know, criminal money into white legal money by, right. you know, laundering it through our bank. Um, yeah, uh, and then great, Thomas great is kind of like stuck with this. His dad did this with like these Russian mobsters. And right. now Thomas yeah. is like, I have to clean this. What do I do with this? And it seems like no one had showed up, shown up to like claim but, until yeah. Isa shows up and he's, you know, oh shit, now I actually have to handle this. <laughs> right. Cause you actually yeah. have to imagine like a lot of this money just sits in the banks yeah, yeah, and just yeah. never yeah. gets picked up. Cause it's like, Oh, well, that guy that, got killed it, well, by that's what, the Russian, yeah. you know, I mean, like his, yeah, uh, it gets, it gets brought up in the book. He's like, yeah, most of them are like, they get good, like were murdered or just, you know, didn't have kids or whatever. Just never show up the whole time. He's very clear. I mean, he resisted at every step where he's like, yeah, I don't know if he's a cus- like a customer yeah. at the bank. Oh, you know, can he bring the right document? Oh, yeah, I see the letter, but does he have the right, you know, proof of identity? Yeah. Um, and so he's he's basically like, you know, I really don't want to get involved in this shit. I mean, he, <laughs> he's he's sort of like Michael Bluth in that, like, he's now in charge of the family company that yeah. his dad may have been involved in some light like treason, treason yeah. right? And he's just like, he didn't do any of this. He's just like, somebody showed up with a letter that his dad wrote and th- there's a real account there. Like he goes, you know, he finds the box and finds the, you know, Karpov index yeah. card or whatever. Um, it's a like, Chechen, Michael. It. How much could it cost? 10 million euros? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so finally... Um, he caves, I think mostly because, uh, well, he, you know, he has this sort of sense of like, okay, I guess I got to resolve this, but he also has implied to, you know, have a crush on Annabelle. So he's like, yeah, meet me in a lobby at this, at this, this hotel. And they, you know, they have tea and, and wine and stuff. And he's like, yeah, he's a customer at the bank, but Isa has to provide proof of identity and an instrument that I won't disclose. (laughs) <laughs> and so, um, uh, the, the whole time I, uh, I want to say that the book, um, 
they kind of I think it's just one of those things that got kind of edited up for time in the movie, but there's the kind of um, relationship, quote unquote relationship, but the kind of um, love interest that um, Brew has for Annabelle in the book is a much bigger deal. Um, yeah. It's like much more animating for him in the book and they don't really draw that out very much. Um, I think there's a scene later too where... There's just like Philip Seymour Hoffman makes like a joke like, don't you want to fuck her? Yeah. It's like... I hope she sees this, bro. She's not going to fuck you. <laughs> and then they kind of look at each other and they're like, yeah, we're old. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. He's an Annabelle Richter simp. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, because there's that scene later, like right before kind of the big bang scene at the end where he's like, I'm not doing this for you or whatever. And that that doesn't really hit in the movie as well because it's not really that Yeah, because it's like what you've only had like yeah. three very tense yeah. meetings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, you saw her on a bicycle and she told you to get lost and that was basically your entire interaction with her. Um, so basically the whole time they're being stalked by by Gunther and, and Erna and um, finally um, uh, Gunther shows up to Willem Dafoe and is like, Hi, I'm I'm in charge of this anti-terror unit, and uh, <laughs> we need to talk. And so um, he's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out if this guy's a terrorist. What's the deal? Um, and Thomas is like, and Brew is like, I, you know, I, I don't really want to get mixed up in all this. And and so then Gunther is like, Wow, that's crazy. Well, imagine if your bank got audited. <laughs> like that would be really. <laughs> Like it's it's basically done with that much subtlety too. He's like yeah. he's like, you know, it would he basically is like it would be a shame if your bank got haunted. <laughs> it's kind of it rem- uh, you know what it reminds me a lot power of. To do that. It reminds me a lot of um, in the spy who came in from the cold, where Ash is like trying to be so uh, use so much innuendo about how he talks yeah. about stuff, and he's trying to be like very sneaky and spy. Oh yeah, and Lamus is just like shut up. Yeah, and he's like shut up. But then the um, Ash's handler, who I can't remember his name, is basically just like, okay, Ash, go away. Look, we want to recruit you as a spy, <laughs> and he's just like very straight <laughs> up, you know. And it, Gunter kind of has that air too, where he's like. I've done this a million times. I've seen it all. We don't have to like, you know, pretend that something else is going on here. I just need you to work with me right now. And so, yeah. So Thomas is like, why should I help you? And he's like, look, we're going to, we're going to confirm what Karpov is up to. And I'm going to help you save Annabelle, which again, you know, doesn't really ring as true in the movie. Um, Cause yeah, at this exactly. point he just kind of has like mild interest. Yeah. But um, his wife does so hate him comes- though. Yeah, <laughs> so he he goes to the uh, Turkish people's apartment, uh, Layla and Malik, to meet with Issa and Annabelle, and Annabelle's like, okay, show him the letter, and um, and then Issa gives him a key, which turns out to be the the sort of instrument, like, oh, duh, okay, it's like a safe deposit box key. <laughs> um, he will need to have the key. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, okay, why did they play around with calling it an instrument and stuff? <laughs> but um. Issa says, and this is, you know, the fun twist is like, he's like, I don't want the money. I don't want 10 million euros. I want to start a new life in Hamburg. My father was a murderer and, uh, you know, he's an awful guy. And I've been in prison my whole, like, adult life. And I just want to uh, get rid of this unclean money because it's, it's, you know, it's unholy and it sucks. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and, and, um. Yeah, so then we get, you know, Gunther and Martha again, where Martha is like, 
um, Martha gives the exposition on, you know, Faisal Abdullah, who's the right. man who is uh, Gunther has been sort of stalking, you know, the the, the real target, in a, in a sense, the most wanted man. And um, didn't they also meet at the same bar they pulled the admiral at? Isn't it seems yeah, like it, or they shot it in the same bar? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they I, I'm pretty sure they use the same set for every bar scene. <laughs> I was going to say, this is uh, my theory on why it costs 15 million is there's probably like three sets, maybe four sets. I think sets. they recycle a lot of the sets. And, and also, there's no set piece, really. There's no like, you know, there's no car chase. Well, even nothing. the office like meeting that they have is just like one room yeah. that they yeah. show you. Um, but the thing that's interesting about this talk with Martha, especially, you know, so this, when did the book come out actually? What year was that written? Oh, wait. 2008. Yeah. Okay. And then this came out, the movie came out in, I think, 2014. Yeah. So, my and I think it's on... supposed to take place in like 03, 04. Oh, right. Okay. Around so, right. But it's very interesting because the example that they use for um, the shipping company uh, is basically like um, the ship left Cy- Cyprus with like a, a bunch of grain. Uh, yep. A bunch of tons of grain um, to Djibouti, but it stopped. And then like 10% of that grain is now went, went missing. And it turns out that in Yemen, all of a sudden they mm-hmm. got that exact amount of grain flooded into their market. And the proceeds from that were used to like essentially fund the Houthis, right? Like, I, I don't even know if they say Houthis, though. But he says to buy rocket launchers for Islamist militants. Yeah, they yeah. just they, they say Islamists. And then um, they're also like... They kind of they say Al Qaeda as a sort of catch all for everything, right? Because yeah, I, I mean everything like, is Al Qaeda in this in this. And my timeline on like what was happening in Yemen, um, pre kind of current Saudi Arabia Yemen uh, conflict I mean, is I, not clear. But like by 2014, I, think, I don't know. I don't know what was happening in 2014. I mean, it was past the Arab Spring, so yeah. that was. But, you know, when this was supposed to be taking place, I think Yemen was relatively stable. I mean, at least right. under had a like relatively stable it government. I mean, it assault. was post <laughs> it was post like the USS Cole bombing. And, right. You know, that happened. But it wasn't like Rife was riven apart, like by civil war. Right. Because I, I just think it's point. interesting. Like if you were to release this today, I think this example would be changed because of like what's gone on in Yemen yes, in the past, in the last like so. five years. Yeah. I don't think the implication of the, like the Houthis um, as being kind of uh, equivalent to Al Qaeda or ISIS or something. I don't think that plays very well given like what has gone on in Yemen over the past, you know, five, seven years or whatever. So that I, that as soon as I heard that, I was like, Oh, that didn't age super well. I think considering like the artificial famine that has been in place. Uh, put in place there um, recently so yeah kind of a kind of a weird that that's the example that ended up falling uh, into the movie but anywho uh, uh so then uh martha is saying like uh we're not gonna just snatch abdullah on german soil and so we want your help and gunther you know blows this off and it's like we don't need american help like we don't trust you and then he meets with his source, Jamal, who called him at the beginning of the film and was crying and giving him information about Abdullah. Um, and we find out that, yeah, I mean, this is the same uh, Jamal who gave him the photos from the right. uh, kebab shop. And so he's saying, like, I can't do it anymore. I'm scared. I don't want to be discovered. Uh, you know, I've been forced into this. 
and um, Gunther like really skillfully manipulates him and yeah. ends up just hugging him and being like, "You can't undo what's already done. Um, you're so important to me. Um, you got to keep going." And giving him a lot of a lot of very fatherly approach to this course, <laughs> yeah. which uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, he literally uh, becomes him. important, <laughs> right? As we discussed pre-recording, this is the podcast for dads by dads, and Emma is also yes. A dad. Um, yeah, there are you a know lot of dads that... in this. I mean, this is like a dad themed movie too. <laughs> yeah, betrayed by dads, dad. betraying your dad. <laughs> my dad so... can beat up your dad. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, my I'm dad. Straight. My dad can extraordinarily <laughs> rendition your dad. <laughs> Um, what, what, one thing I just want to say about this scene, because I think it is actually important because it, it's kind of a nothing scene, but I think why it's important for the movie is that Gunter is so far, I mean, look, depending on your political kind of disposition coming into the movie, you, you would already have kind of your view on what the Gunters of the world, if they're good or bad, right? But ultimately, this scene does a really good job of kind of showing how manipulative and bad he is that there's this like young kid who's like i don't like this i don't want to do this i don't mm -hmm. feel safe and he's like no 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 it's fine please come on we love you whatever like, and i so think it's a good scene to, to show like oh fuck you this guy's like not good like he's um, manipulating well, and, people and this is yeah like, and then he has to do ex exceptionally amoral things and you're like well is there sort of a greater good being served here like right. what is the ethical obligation here right and, yeah um, I mean, and it's like unclear. we right it's after unclear. right after she like he like gets all high and mighty with Martha about oh are you yeah. gonna like are you gonna yeah, abduct him to a black site he literally abducts Annabelle to a black site <laughs> yeah. and yeah. locks her up. Um, <laughs> I mean, basically, the intel different intelligence services in this movie have different tactical disagreements but their strategy yes. is not very yep. like they don't disagree that like no yep. we're, we're we're trying to get the same bad guys and we're oh, just yeah they to, all see you know. they all see karpov as uh you know someone to snatch off the street yes. but it's a matter of when they wanted they're quibbling about time essentially. <laughs> yes. yeah yeah so gunther calls tommy and is like okay give him whatever he wants um give him give him the money we got to see what he does with it and what happens and so uh Brew goes and and is uh he finds her outside in like her office basically um and says that the bank is going to honor her client's claim and then he's kind of stops and he's this is almost kind of touching where he's like uh everyone should be very careful everyone needs to take care and she's like oh, okay weirdo <laughs> and um and so then uh. Annabelle shows up and is like, we're not, we're not safe. Um, like we've, time is starting to run out. We need to figure out what to do. Uh, so she makes him shave his <laughs> big scraggly uh, militant beard off. And this is the moment where like, I actually laughed because he comes out of the bathroom and he's got this, he's got a very like handsome uh, angular face and yeah. she sees him and Rachel McAdams gets this like, I can fix him look in her eyes <laughs> where like, you know, immediately like some switch has flipped in her brain where she's like, 
I will help. <laughs> you, she's just playing with her necklace, just looking at him. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, just like legit, just kind of gazing at him. And I yeah. was like, oh no, girl. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was definitely her best acting of the of the movie, I would say, is that scene. Um, like, because her switch she's just is like, so obvious. Yeah, because yeah, she's like, oh my God, I see his chin. And, Damn. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's like I wrote in my notes, I can fix him. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Um, and so Daniel Brule is starts tailing them, but, uh, because Esau has been in prison for like his entire adult life, he has sort of a sense for when people are sort of following them. So he sees this guy get on the train with them and then he does this slick move where they get off the train. Uh, the spy gets off the train and then they, he gets back on really quick, right? When the doors are closing. Yeah. So the guy is stuck, um, well, the spy, the spy can't can't do exactly what they just did and cram himself back onto the train because then it would be like so obvious that he's the Yeah, spy. it's really <laughs> obvious, but then also the doors are about to yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. So it's like perfect. Like it's Issa like has move. to pull his bag through. Yeah. Um. So then we get a great scene when they get off at the next stop and uh, where uh, and because I feel like this is just required for any sort of thriller action movie. They end up going through a nightclub. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The classic scene, yeah. There is a really good reaction shot where um, Issa sees, like, these half-naked girls dancing and he gets this look on his face like, what the fuck? Mm, yeah, this is Haram. And then he just keeps and, um, yeah. And so Philip Seymour Hoffman goes out of the club and he's like, ah, oh, shit, because obviously they're, like, they're, like, in their uh, early 30s, late 20s, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and so they've completely <laughs> outrun him. Um, yeah, that's the greatest part is like the one action scene in this whole movie is basically like Philip Seymour Hoffman jogging. No, yeah. he's like legit, like. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and I mean it's realistic, like you know he's running yeah. through a nightclub and stuff. But um, yeah, then we see the police uh, that Annabelle and Issa were right to run because the police burst into the to Malik and Layla's door. Luckily, Annabelle's uh brother has an apartment that's being renovated and she told the contractors like hey fuck off for a week and um and so there's this sort of under construction room uh where uh isa can basically hide out and um uh you know there's a the touching scene where she gives him like the key to to a room the apartment and it's like you know this isn't a prison like you you have to stay in here but <laughs> it's not a prison um and you know she tries to convince him like you know to take the money but he's like no my father's money is really bad i just want to i want to talk to the lawyer and so gunter has to meet martha and be like yeah we fucked up and lost karpov but um uh, yeah this is when he talks about uh abdullah and he's like abdullah isn't even our main target we can get a uh a bigger guy right if we use Karpov's money as a lure for abdullah and yeah. then turn abdullah into a source right so not only is karpov just complete bait for abdullah abdullah himself is bait for whoever is above him oh yeah and then we get the only real action scene in the movie where um which is completely like superfluous right. but Gun gunther up. sees a a guy hit a woman at the bar and oh, then he right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's just incredibly good punch 
Yeah. He, and like, then the guy just kind of walks back. Like, it's a funny it's scene like too, because the- then uh, Martha's like, "Were you trying to impress me?" <laughs> it's like it's kind of a funny scene because I think in a lot of movies or like in a lot of uh, fiction like this he would go back and there would be something about Martha being like, wow, that guy, like he's got a heart of gold and like whatever. But she's just like, yeah, I'm not impressed by this. This is, yeah. This and, is toxic and he's just so like blase about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very strange. Yeah. Well, and then um, the, like the guy he punches cause he had slapped his girlfriend. They just start right. dancing again. It's like a very <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weird scene. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very bizarre. Uh, I want a gif of I want a gif of him uh, at the end of that scene where he's just like dancing and he's like doing this little <laughs> like mocking thing of them. Yeah, very. It's a very bizarre. Like scene. I, he saw a guy engaging in white boy summer and <laughs> I had to put him into it. Yeah. Um. So so then Martha's like, okay, I'll try and keep Dieter off your back because uh, you say you don't want Annabelle taken, but now you owe me. So then what happens next is uh, Gunther and crew. Uh, take Annabelle to a black site, <laughs> and um, and this is where I think this is where he completely sort of this is there's one motion he makes, and I think it's more impactful than the punch even, and perhaps the punch was in there just to sort of illustrate this yeah. or uh, foreshadow it a bit. But he comes into the cell where they've taken Annabelle, and he shoves her against the wall, mm-hmm. just like yeah. when he gets in, he just you know, turns around and shoves her and says, you know, sit down. And um, I feel like that is the moment where the the viewer, you're sort of like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, this guy really is uh, prepared to do anything to uh, achieve his goal. Like, um, mm. you know, just terrorize this random lady <laughs> who's a lawyer. And, um, but, I mean, you see what I mean? Like, um, he just, it, it's a sign that, you know, he's... um. I mean, this is where you realize it's not like, you know, he's a part of this intelligence apparatus. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, you know, he just happens to he's not, not want to send uh, Karpov and Abdullah to a black site. But that doesn't mean he's not willing to. Um, yeah. And also, this is where he gets personally animated about it. Whereas before, it's sort of a detached, like, I'm doing my job. I care about a, a lot. But I, I'm not, like, personally angry about it. But he gets really upset and he calls her a social worker for terrorists. Um, he mocks her <laughs> political like, beliefs. That's a great. That's a great burn for what she does. Like that's a that's a very classic. Um, like that would be on uh, like uh, Sean Hannity or something. That's like a very yeah. Perfect yeah. Well, he basically says Sean Hannity type stuff where he's like, yeah. "You're on the side of the terrorists. We're fighting radical Islam. You're from a wealthy family and you're just trying to piss off your dad." Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um. Uh. He does something that I think is really interesting that the movie does is um, he asks her, like, do you know where you are? And she's like, no, of course not. Well, I mean, um, it's incredibly disorienting for her, but it's also disorienting for the viewer. We have no idea where she is. They show nothing about this location. They show the room and they show him like leaving the room. So we also have no idea where it is. We don't even know what Gunther's like group is called or anything. So she's effectively just completely gone. And I think the realization of that is also one of the more disturbing parts of the movie, that these people really can operate with any sort of license within uh, Germany. Well, there's there's um, there's a good extent to which once they sort of get her on the same on the same team, right? Like she's going to betray Issa. Uh, Brew is also going to, you know, like, you know, be wired up. 
it's no yeah. longer sort of like a bunch of people working in opposition. You're just sort of watching yeah. it all play out. Like, yes, you just feel yeah. you you feel like this um like everything's already been put in motion, and then you're just sort of watching as yep. Issa uh, like just continues to trust um, Annabelle and and um, and she seems like very uh, broken up about it, right? But she's going along with it. Like it, it yeah. just sort of what it feels like is honestly an extremely successful spy operation. Yeah, but it doesn't yeah. feel like one. It feels sad. Like yeah, because yeah. you because you have this sense that like this guy actually just wants to get rid of this money. He looks like a broken dog. Like he is so. Yeah. I mean, I like I. I really was impressed with his work as, as an actor, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. he, he, he really plays somebody who is, uh, who is barely composing himself at any moment, you know, and just feels yeah. like he just wants this burden off of him. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, that like the only way that this is, you know, if this operation continues to succeed, like he's still going to be enmeshed in whatever sort of cases, but getting put against Abdullah potentially to help flip Abdullah and then whatever, you know what I mean? So, you know, like yeah. you already know, like they keep saying like, uh, they keep telling themselves maybe that like, Oh, this is going to like help him. It's going to free him like from this burden, yeah. right, like, you know, right, it's right. going to, but it just doesn't, I mean, the way the movie's playing it, it still feels sort of, uh, like, uh, yeah, it's succeeding, you know, <laughs> like that's yeah, kind of what winning. it feels like. Is this what winning is? Yeah. 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 And, and, and basically this whole chunk of the movie, what they're basically setting up is they they essentially get um, Rachel McAdams' character to convince, essentially, you know, incept Issa to to yes. give away his money to Abdullah because what they want is they want Abdullah to then give all this money to this shipping company so they can then kind of track that, realize that it's gone missing, and can then, like uh, Emma said earlier, go to Abdullah and say, "Hey, buddy, you're fucked." Uh, we know what you're doing now you're going to turn and we're going to use you to catch like the next guy up in the chain. And that's basically what plays out over the next yeah, half I mean, hour of the movie. It's a very smiley esque operation where they, yeah. he's kind of set up all these dominoes and then we watch them fall one by one into each other where he's like, okay, we've turned Annabelle to turn Karpov who will then, and then we're going to turn top brew. So then we can yeah. get Abdullah uh, who will then give us the people we haven't even met because they're overseas or whatever. And it work. I mean, it, it works like <laughs> you, yeah. get, you get to the end and, you know, you, you get this like great moment of tension where they're in the van and they're like change. He's like, is he going to sign the paper changing it to seven <laughs> friends yeah. shipping? And he does. And they're like, yes, we got him. Yeah. We're oh, going to like, and, his, scene. Yeah. and then that's... his son is like, oh yeah, I'm stuck in traffic and he gets in the car. Well, and that and and that moment I thought was really interesting because when they first approach Abdullah about giving the money away, he gives them just a bunch of legit charities. Yeah, yeah. you know. And then I think, I mean, unless I'm misunderstanding it, I only I think he only changes one of them. Like, yep. yes, like only he's one. giving he's still giving money to like it, it seems like yep. two dozen organizations. He's mostly he's mostly good. We could probably let it slide, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's well, what no, that's, that's what uh, <laughs> that's literally what. Gunther says he's like, yeah, he's basically good. He's just doing a little terrorism on like the side. Light treason. Good. He can have a little terrorism. As but a but I think you know what. So what's happening there? If I'm if I'm um, not mistaken, is basically Abdullah is like knowingly doing this. Like he's not accidentally doing this, and he knows that 
um, more than that, his organization is under the eye of, you know, these types of services. So he can't just right away say, here's who I'm giving the money to, because he knows that it, they're going to, you know, so someone's looking at it. So that's why. Um, and this is what Gunter says is basically like at the last second, he's going to change one of the names to Seven Friends Shipping. And um, and yeah, so we come to the kind of climactic scene, which is Abdullah is in Daniel Brew's office. They've got he's basically like, hey, everything's set up. We just need you to sign off that all of these charities are correct. And the whole uh, Gunter and his team are all in like the surveillance van watching this. And it's very tense. And it's a, it's one of those classic, very funny scenes that if you describe it to a kid is like, this is like a really cool spy movie. And they're like, what's the coolest part of the movie? And it's like, everyone's watching a guy sign paperwork. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like I said, the climax of this movie is uh, Abdullah uh, signing for each charity and then saying, wait, I want to substitute this last one. <laughs> Yeah, and the pause between when he's like, I want to do the substitute and him signing is like, that's the most tense moment that you could possibly imagine. And uh, yeah, it's for the most like funny, boring it's, admin. And I, I want to note that the development of like Annabelle and Issa's sort of relationship, mm -hmm. I don't mean that in like a romantic sense, although in the in the book, he's like, you should convert to Islam and we'll get married because um, <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like latching onto her as like a yeah. protector. Um it's it's really heartbreaking because it's only when she sort of takes him up to her roof and um you know they're looking out the city together and he's sort of he's literally like basking in the sun and it looks like one of the only times he's like ever been at peace yeah um and she only tricked him up there so that they could wire the, the apartment lighters could get in there and put all their and uh, then yeah. um you know they're playing chess together and he just kind of comes over and like um buries his head in her neck i don't yeah. know it was very moving because he yeah. tells her his uh, his his story where he has you know this bracelet with a quran on it that was his mother's and she died giving birth to him at 15 mm -hmm. like it's all very tragic and so it's um this sort of small tragedy unfolding is that where um he doesn't know about this abdullah stuff um He's just he know all he knows is that he's <laughs> donating money to charity, right? And um, right, yeah, that's the extent of his knowledge, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Because he he really does just want to get get rid he of, just the wants money to of the and, money and and move on with his life. And, and Annabelle um, has been convinced that this is in his best interest because they've promised him uh, asylum, asylum, and right, so yeah. she's able. To, she gives him a passport. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that's kind of the that's kind of the final. And you're like, oh, God, of, OK, he's safe. like, oh, you know, Gunter is kind of actually good. He, he He's actually like gotta, um, following through with, you know, what he promised, which was he was going to give this guy a passport. And um, so basically that that bank scene that I was describing finishes, um, you know, Gunter tells uh, Jamal, the, the son, to kind of just get lost and don't pick up. Your oh, dad. yes, we um, we find out that. Um, uh, Jamal uh, Gunther's source is actually Abdullah's son, and that's why he's you know experienced this great anguish at being a source. Right. Yeah. That that's that's kind of a nice little reveal near the end of the movie. So basically, um, Brew calls a taxi, and um, who answers to get to be the taxi driver is uh, Gunther. So Gunther uh, shows up in front of the bank. Abdullah gets in, 
And this is when Gunter is going to kind of lead him off to whatever black site and they're going to flip him. And so every his whole team's kind of happy. Like we did it. We did the op. And then boom, car pulls out in front of him, smashes into that. Another car smashes him from behind. Bunch of, you know, agents get out on uh, take Isa, take Abdullah, put them into black vans, drive off. And kind of the most heartbreaking scene. Well, not heartbreaking, just the most purely Maybe the most purely evil scene is when Martha, like he kind of sees Martha walk out of like one of the buildings next to them, get into a car and kind of just look at him like, yeah, you fucker, I got you. And then drive off. Yeah. And it just ends with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman just screaming in anguish and being like, ah, fuck. And, um, (laughs) you know, Rachel McAdams and Brewer just like completely shell shocked. And she just ends up just stumbling over to a curb and sitting down. And um, and he uh, you know, gets they in his the car. And Clayton, then... They do the Michael Clayton ending basically, which is just you know, there's like a five minute shot at the very end of the movie of him just kind of driving in complete silence. And um, yeah, there's you know they're driving, and then he just gets out of the car and walks away, and the movie ends. Yeah. And um, that, my friends, is the classic John Le Carre ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I think, you know, it's kind of funny how we picked, I mean, obviously this is kind of a theme throughout all of his work. So it's not like, you know, you could just hit random and pick any three of his works and they kind of have similar endings. But the three things that we've covered so far have had just completely demoralizing endings. Um, and for me, the, the thing that this movie really drove home that I think was interesting is a lot of his more modern works, um, they've been, uh, a lot of them have been focused on like, people kind of getting turned into agents. I'm thinking of like the night manager and stuff like that, where it's not as, it's not always as direct, like from the point of view of like intelligence services, but this was, I think a really interesting one because not only is it like an intelligence service, it's a non American intelligence service and non British too, importantly, um, who is in, it's a very directly post nine 11, uh, kind of work in a way that I think all of the works post 9-11 are inevitably post 9-11, right? But this is very implicitly about that. And, you know, the long and short of it is like, um, shit is still as bad and evil and um, messy as it was during the Cold War, right? And maybe it's even worse now in, in a different way. And um, And there's also that great theme that we touched on earlier of like, this interagency competition where ultimately these people are in careers and um, mm-hmm. the way these people progress in their careers or, or kind of make sure they remain in their careers is to get bigger scalps or scare your guys put yep. you know in jail. Yeah. yeah Martha, that. Martha mentions at, at one point that it was her, it was the CIA or whatever American intelligence organization she works for, I assume the CIA, that actually was the cause of his sort of blow up, uh, of up his yeah. entire network in Beirut. And right. she basically apologizes for it. But that, does, but then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, she, that was her way of sort of like lulling him into yeah. a, sel- yep. a sense of confidence that like, oh, I'm going to be left alone this time because this lady feels bad about how she got all my guys killed last time. But she doesn't feel bad at all. <laughs> yeah. You get the sense... John Le Carre doesn't feel very kindly towards American intelligence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Just well, a tiny bit. He, he does. It's kind of in the similar way. Like if you were to kind of juxtapose the way the intelligence service, you know, when Gunter makes that speech about like, we need to get the minnow to catch the barracuda. Um, 
there's a very similar thing. <laughs> the way going. Philip Seymour Hoffman says Barracuda. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But, um, you know, it's kind of reversed uh, the other way with the intelligence services, too, where it's like um, you've got the Russian intelligence agency giving information to the German intelligence agency. But then the Barracuda in this scenario is the U.S. who kind of just looms large over everything. And it, and it, it gives you that really great perspective, too, where it's like, why the hell is Martha being involved in this shit at all? This is like, in theory, a domestic issue within Germany. And right. she just kind of waltzes into these meetings being like, okay, tell me everything. And I will also have the power to basically tell you if what you're going to do is okay or not. Um, yep. And that kind of looms really large. And you kind of learn that like all these nations that are kind of doing their little play spy stuff in their own countries. It's like, no, ultimately when the American quote unquote diplomat comes into your office, you just do what they want. I think there's also sort of the pressure where it's like, you know, 9-11 was planned in your yeah. country. So if you don't let us sit in on stuff, we're going to make a huge stink. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of how you fucked up last time. What it what it feels like is the movie sets her up as sort of an antagonistic force against Gunther's efforts. But then at the very end of the movie reveals that her her and the agency that she represents are the actual true villain of the piece. Like yeah. you're, you sort of sit here like yeah. watching the movie going, what, who is the bad guy here? Like Issa does not seem like he is a financier of terror. Abdullah, right. we're not sure about, but as Tyler mentioned earlier, like if you, like if you really, tra if you follow the trail of like what this, you know, money, this like 10 million euros or whatever, a small portion of it or some portion of it is going to this organization that will funnel some portion of that to mm -hmm. Yemen to, like you said, like fund like the Houthi rebel movement, which like <laughs> right. may like which may involve uh, like connections to terror organizations or directly, you know, but also may just be like a domestic uh, political matter within Yemen. You know what I mean? Right, like with, right, with right. Saudi Arabia or who, yeah, you know, it's like not entirely clear what exactly is happening. I mm. think that's actually a deliberate part of this is a deliberate uh, choice in the movie. Um, mm. is that there's very little information given about any of this. Mm -hmm. So it's really just based on sort of value judgments that you have to make. For example, we barely learn what sanctuary North is other than what, um, other characters identify Rachel McAdams as, you know, an immigration lawyer, and then he says she's a social worker for terrorists. So we're not really sure what kind of cases they work with. Um, right. We're not really sure who Philip Seymour Hoffman exactly works for. We don't know where their offices are. We don't know what Issa did or didn't do. Um, he doesn't talk about it. Um, the only word we have is, you know, the Russian intelligence file on him. And so it's basically a thing where you have to take people at their word and yeah except that others are also lying about them and then evaluate their claims on their own merits. And um, it puts the viewer in the sort of more, same moral quagmire that all of these people are operating in. So I thought that was, you know, a very deliberate choice. Because fuck, we have no idea what Issa did or didn't do. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that I think kind of sums that up um, is the, the statement that uh, Martha says first, but then Gunter echoes later which is like, what are we doing this for? And the statement is like, to make the world a safer place. And that that sounds, when even as they say it, it very much sounds like a company vision statement or something where it's like, uh, it's just this vague thing that we kind of point to. 
but really we're just kind of doing this job uh every day and we're not all that concerned frankly if like this actually is making the world a better place but in theory it feels like we're making the world a better place but when you get into the details it's very unclear if that's actually happening like theoretically isa could have lived you know a new life in hamburg but right. instead there's he's never going to see daylight again yeah. like he's going to disappear into a complete black hole mm -hmm. and end up in like gitmo or something and same with abdullah and so it's there is no no one has benefited at all from any of this um it's just they got to be able to brag about like stopping a terrorist cell in Hamburg or whatever. Yeah. And so it just, right. And so then I feel like what, what Gunther is sort of feeling in the, at the end of the movie is sort of just being confronted with the inadequacy of his own self-explanation for yep. what is his, what is the purpose of what he right. does. And I feel like, you know, that, <laughs> that definitely feels like that, connects with me and it's sort of any any circumstance where i have sort of like lost the plot in terms of mm -hmm. like what what is the point of what all what all of this is for you know mm -hmm. and like it can really um it can really sort of like shake you you know to to <laughs> to feel like god Confront i just put that. in I, yeah i've just been putting in all of this effort into this project and like what what is the outcome that I was hoping for? Like, what is the idea? You know what I mean? Like, um, just teaching kids two plus two. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> no, but <laughs> but like, yeah. But if you but if you sit there as I did with no, like no. when I got into education and got into yeah. the idea of like, well, this is the way. This is the pathway out of poverty. Right. And then right. like you actually get into the classroom and you're like, there's no, there's no mechanism by which every child is going to like. Right. like leave poverty just through the power of their education for all sorts of other reasons. And then you say, well, I guess I better start liking teaching math for reasons other than its utility in, right. uh, you know, like whatever, exactly. not to make it too much about that, no, but, no, like no, that, but that's, that's definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I definitely uh, identified with that moment. Right. He's, the, he's defined himself by like efforts and success. And then at the end of the movie, I think there's, you know, he's, in anguish about the operation failing, but it's also just a, what did you do? You've uh, completely shattered several people uh, mm -hmm. and there is nothing to show for it. No, no good outcome is going to happen. And not only the people um, who got taken away, but if you think about it from, you know, Rachel McAdams uh, or Annabelle, I, I should say her point of view, she's just been like kept in a black site, put through the ringer. Her life mentally is probably destroyed. Um, well, Jamal... they promise. They also promise her, and she gets to see that they he was made a um, like legal resident, and yeah, has a passport yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything, and that had no power. They, Plus, the, the family Americans... she was helping earlier was like you know basically swatted, and then you know Jamal's father is now gone, and he'll probably never see him again. It's like right, like it didn't mean anything. None of the legal power had any protection, <laughs> yeah. and she's someone who devoted herself to the law, so. The, the one interesting thing I just want to, you know, I, I talked about this a bit earlier, but the last point I want to make um, is a really interesting thing that kind of connects um, a spy who came in from the cold, Taylor of Panama, on this is that at the very end of the movie, you're left with these scenes where the main characters, you could write a next chapter where every single one of them blows their brains out. Do you know what I mean? But it's unclear. <laughs> Like, it's like each, each, <laughs> every single unclear. main yeah. character ended in this state where the, like the worst possible outcome has happened for them. Um, 
Right. I mean, Taylor of Panama ends with him being like, I'm going to walk into this inferno. <laughs> yeah. And and then, you know, uh, Spyro came in from the cold. Uh, Lamas, like, yes, sees like, the love of his life shot to climbing, death as he's climbing. Climbing back the down the Berlin border, Wall yeah. to get shot. So pretty grim stuff. Um, so before we move on to our final quick segment, let's just quickly do a rating. So we're going to keep the same system going. We're going to kind of I don't think we'll make a distinction for movies. We'll just kind of keep it in the same thing. You know, how are you going to rank this in the uh, the John LeCrae extended universe? Um, Kent, you're the guest. Why don't you start off? Give us a, you know, a a letter grade on this and your your kind of final thoughts on the the movie. I think I would say um, I I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. He is maybe my favorite actor. So just, you know, I'm I'm always going to be predisposed Mm. to appreciate him. And I do think that this has sort of grown in my estimation in the same way that most of the the Lecrae books that I've read have, where it just sort of stays with me and it just won't, it sort mm-hmm. of gives me, I mean, honestly, like just sort of um, feeling like a little bit, like feeling a little bit depressed in the way, like sort of like uh, existentially wondering, like what is yeah. the point of um, <laughs> all of these yeah. people's work? Um, that they're working so hard to do. Um, And, and so I I think if I had, you know, told you, I'd be like, Oh, that was like a B like right when I finished the movie. And then having realized, like, it's really stayed with me, I I definitely have to to bump it up to, you know, a minus or a I mean, I I, I really, I mean, there there are some things that I would would quibble with. um, But um, I think it's extremely effective. And like for a movie that involves no significant action scene, mm-hmm. no sort of like traditional, you know, um, like you said, so, like spy set pieces other than like running through the dance club, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it really keeps you keeps you interested just on the emotional connections, which are then the exact thing that that hits you at the end. So, yeah, I, I would I would give it an A. Um, Max, what are you going to do? Uh, I think I would I would probably give it a B or B plus. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought you know there were some really great uh, acting uh, performances in the movie, and the the mm-hmm. ending was fabulous. Uh, but I, I, you know, there are thrillers and spy f- movies mm-hmm. I've enjoyed more, and John Le Carre works I've enjoyed more. So I think that's probably where I'd Fair. place it. Emma. Uh, I think I'd say around an A minus. Um, there are some things that, like Ken said, that I would sort of quibble with in the movie, like you know the accents, how some of the character beats played out, things like yeah. that. But I think uh, they preserved the themes that John Le Carre uh, articulated mm-hmm. in his work really well, like um, the amorality of intelligence work, uh, the collateral damage of people involved uh, through like Layla and Malik, and um, sort of the way uh, that spies and sort of this intelligence work uh, is predicated on fostering relationships with people that are then used to uh, achieve uh, an aim that may not turn out to be worth it. You know, like in Looking Glass War, um, they basically say like, you know, um, you got to get him to fall in love with you or like fall in love with him basically and um make him you know like captivated by you and um you know Issa is definitely that with Annabelle 
And then um, to a lesser extent, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's relationship with Abdullah's son. Um, it's about these sort of close connections that are then uh, subverted and used for these purposes that turn out to be not so great. Yeah. Or at least uh, ambivalent uh, morality. And so that's something that John LeCarrie was really interested in exploring. And I think it's done really well here. Yeah. So A minus. I'm I'm gonna give it an A, and that's um part of like a I don't know it, this is kind of um as far as the the not um kind of S tier or you know as commonly noted as his best works. This is probably my favorite um work of his that isn't kind of the classically beloved works of his, and I think the movie you know it's really hard to do these kind of taut spy thrillers in the Jean Le Carré genre and do them well. I think they ultimately succeed. Yeah, there are some things that are a bit weird with the way the movie was put together, but I think they're successful. And as far as the themes, I've talked a, a lot about it, so I'm not going to go into any any more of that here. But I agree with Kent. It's a movie that and and kind of a, a novel and movie combined that stick with you. So it's an A for me. Um, so before we go, we're going to do a quick new segment that Max has concocted, which I think should be fun for the movie. So Max... <laughs> Describe your segment, and um, the way this is going to work is once once Matt goes through, he's gonna he's gonna do his thing. We're gonna you know buzz in and try and guess who uh, he's describing. But Max, go go and describe the segment here. Yeah, so uh, I guess we're, we're gonna do the segment. I I think it's tentatively called the Smiley okay. Scale, uh, where I am going to to. to give the description of different characters from the book and you three will have to guess uh, <laughs> who in the movie based on just based on viewing the movie. Although I know some of you've read the book, but based on viewing the movie, which character you think cool. this is describing. Um, so one of you will buzz in. I'll, I'll choose <laughs> who I think buzzed in first. I don't know. How do you guys want to buzz uh, in? I don't know. We'll just say buzz. we haven't planned this. Okay. Everyone okay. say buzz. Use your, use your um, buzz noise. <laughs> and then uh, we'll see if see okay. if you guys can get it right. All right. So I am going to start with what I think is an easy <laughs> one um, because uh, just to, to to start it off. So feel free to buzz okay. in as soon as you think you can get it. Uh, so okay. Tall, desperately thin boy with oh, a straggly yes. beard, Ethan. eyes reddened, and okay, yeah, point one. that one was it. good. That one made sense. All right, God, yeah, so that, was, that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, let's try one that I think is a little harder. So, uh, this is a giant of a fellow, shaggy, unkempt, and genial, with a broad, natural grin. And black hair bound back in a ponytail and a rolling free and easy gait that took up half the pavement. Buzz. Is it Melek? Okay, Kent. Oh. It is Melek. That's Very good. Nice. That's good because he looks nothing <laughs> yeah. like this in the movie. Uh, he does not have a ponytail. He's not, not that big. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty yeah, kempt he's too. Um, <laughs> okay, Kent's uh, running away with this, so Emma, we gotta figure something out here. Yeah, I mean, you guys need to We're pick it up. You're the making experts. the podcast look bad. All right, let's do this one. 
well-built and cautiously good-looking with a broad freckled brow and a Scotman's, Scotsman's mop of wiry uh, red-brown hair that he had somehow... Go, uh, Tommy go Emma. Brew. Uh, it is Tommy Scottish. Brew. Although he is not... It's because, yeah. yeah, the Scottish yeah. gave it away. He's but Scottish like, in the book. He does not have red-brown hair. I like hair. the description, cautiously um, good-looking. <laughs> That's like yeah. a classic genre. <laughs> but it immediately evokes an image, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I can't even describe it, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have two more um, that I think are going to be hard ones, so so I'll I'll do this. Okay. Buzz. Uh, Just kidding. Elderly fat... <laughs> Elderly fat bastard, huge motionless Buzz. hands cut before him. Fat bastard. Small, go ahead. Austin Powers. <laughs> it is fat. Yes. That is correct. It is fat bastard from, from Austin Powers. He was Powers. great in this movie, I will say. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyone else? Small eyes, long retreated into his creaseless head, appeared to be turned inward. Do, do, do. It's, is it Gunter? All right. Okay. No, it is the oh. Admiral. Oh. Who is, okay. Creaseless head. Uh, That's great. Who is, who is not a fat <laughs> no. bastard. In yeah, this they movie. like bastard. this scrawny little guy. Yeah. He's like a tiny little skinny guy. I love that guy. that's a description John McCray um, just describes someone as a fat bastard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's literally, that's these are this is directly from the book, Elderly Fat <laughs> Bastard. Let me change that to my bio. Um, Gunther does, that is that is from Gunther, oh, okay, so okay, it fits okay. of Gunther calling him an elderly fat bastard. Okay, last one. Um, last one. Emma needs this okay, to last steal one. or to die. A small, stocky figure in shapeless clothes and a scarf round round, round their head and neck. Uh, firm fluid movement of a small capable body inside the frumpish gear, round spectacles, frameless, a choir boy face to go with the choir boy voice, navy blue jeans, army boots, eyes enlarged by the spectacles were gray green and unflinching honey flecks. Is it Dieter? Go ahead. (laughs) It is not Dieter. Buzz, Annabelle. What? It is oh, Annabelle. Okay. I remember her eyes being described as funny. Yeah, I I purposely I tried not to I tr- I kind of like I went around trying not to wow, put gender thanks, in this one because I thought it would. Thanks for that. Um, I was trying you to trick you guys. Well, ultimately, uh, Kent <laughs> and Emma are tied, so I'm going to do the tiebreaker. Okay, I'll do the tiebreaker. Okay. Okay. Um, mop of brown hair. Uh circular spectacles gap in his teeth with a um white ruff uh exploding out of his blue suit um giving the peace sign and saying yeah baby yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh behave oh behave um so that was obviously gunter um (laughs) yep (laughs) <laughs> all right well that was great uh, that was very fun max that's a great idea we will do that next movie um so before we wrap up kent um you're a math teacher but you're more than that to me and, and to everyone else is there anything you want to you want to plug to our legions of fans here quickly before we sign off yeah this is totally not connected to uh literature <laughs> or anything like that but i am really into math games for kids um as a you have a kids, I think I have I have children. Yes, yeah. I ha- I have children and teach children and yes. uh, you know all sorts of things. So um, I run a website called Games for Young Minds. I send out a weekly newsletter with 
a recommendation for a math game and some questions you can ask your kids while playing it because we know to read to our kids for 20 minutes every night to help them learn how to read, but we don't know what to do to help them with math. And what you should do to help them with math is just play games because games have math in them. I cannot plug this more. I I have asked Kent for suggestions on on you know the the policy Slack where we all met, and he has provided me some really great stuff, even for my three year old, and uh, it's been awesome. So if you're listening and you have kids, or even if you just want, I'm to still have kids, I'm still working up to the level of the games that Kent recommends, but. <laughs> We're. I'm gonna play. A, what's it called? Attribute. Uh, attribute train. I'm gonna. Play yeah. That Emma. I'm gonna play that with Emma later. That's a super fun game. <laughs> um. Yeah. We're still thinking of a good crossover event between uh, <laughs> Tinker Taylor Podcast Spy and Games for Young Minds. When we do think of a connection, we'll let the viewers know. Yeah. We're gonna write a guest blog. Uh. On, on your. On, on your. On your it's, top it's five most never- depressing games to play with your child. <laughs> It's never too early to uh, teach your kids about the amorality of intelligence work. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's we can uh, we can write an article about how to teach your kid, child to do a dead drop. Count how many cigarettes are. I mean, honestly, that is a lot of parenting is just finding dead drops that your kids have just stuffed in couch cushions, and you know, you're doing counterintelligence on your kids all the time. I, that yes. is definitely true. Absolutely. Um, Kent, thanks so much for coming on. That was this, great. Uh, this was great. I'm. It, I love this. Uh, this show. It's a great chance to uh, revisit or visit for the first time with uh, with the book. So um, awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, I guess that's probably it for us. Um, find us on Twitter, Max. What's the pod account again? <laughs> oh, uh, podca- at podcast underscore at podcast spy. underscore spy. You can see some great tweets going on, going on there. Um, but I think that's it for us. Thanks, everyone. We have not, I believe, picked a book for, for our next episode or movie or whatever we're doing. But we will definitely announce that on Twitter. So definitely follow us on there. And we'll yep. give you a heads up um, before our next episode. And outside of that, we will say goodbye. So thanks, everyone. Have a good night or day. Bye. Whenever you're listening. Thanks, Bye. Bye. All right. Um, so everyone, wait. <laughs> <laughs>